You're listening to the World Football Program with all the latest updates from both local and international football. WA. This is the World Football Programme. My name is Sean Kelly. I'll be with you for the next two hours till Len Bagnall comes on with the Jazz Show. Uh, thanks to Frank and Jerry for another wonderful Celtic ramblings. Joining me in the studio is the best wingman since Don Evans, <laughs> Peter Skeeler. Good, good morning, Pete. How are you? Oh, I'm great. How are you? Going? Whoops, sorry. I'll just... Oh, I'm great. How are you going? There we go. Yeah, much, much better, mate. No, it's good. Uh, good to have you in. Thanks for helping out. Much appreciated. Um, on the show today, we are going to start off with our friend Derek Pollock, who is our EPL expert. Um, he, what he doesn't know about it isn't worth knowing. And we're going to go through the EPL top and bottom, and we'll also talk about European football, because all of that's starting to come to fruition. Yep. Um, then we're going to talk to Tacky Nicolades. He is the coach that took Mum out of Division Two into Division One, and we'll we'll touch base with Tacky and see how they're going in Divi One. Um, I think they're tracking all right, but we'll see. They've got Mandra today, so that'll be an interesting game. Yep. Um, then we're going to talk to Donna Gufray. She is the chair of DT Thirty Eight in Australia. Um, does a lot of good work around the town and Australia for the DT Thirty Eight Foundation. And it's eight years since a young man passed, but his legacy still lives on. So we'll see what, what sort of things they're doing um, in and around Perth and across the globe. Mm-hmm. And then we'll finish off with Gareth Johnson, who is the um, assistant coach at Southwest Phoenix. Southwest Phoenix were promoted from uh, Premier Amateurs yep. into Divi 2 this year. So we'll see how they're going. I think um, Divi 2 and particularly Southwest have been affected by COVID. So we'll see how that's panning out for them, what they're doing. Um, I noticed you've got your, your mask on, on your shoulder. Um, Freedom Friday yesterday. Well, so they say, but I'm 
take a lot of public transport, so as far as I hadn't actually noticed much of a difference. I work in a very high-risk industry, so we're masked up, yep. vaxxed, yep. Um, and doing rat tests every other day still. So, yeah, <laughs> sucks to be me. Um, all right, so in big news, Sam Kerr has won the Football Writers' um, Player of the Year Award, which Women's is... Women's Footballer of the Year, yeah. Fantastic achievement. She's had another stellar season. Um, she's also on track to be the Golden Boot winner. Yep. She's broken, I think, the record now for the most consecutive games scored in. Um, Chelsea, yep. they keep winning. I think they're going to win that league. And and what was your prediction for her uh, off-air? My prediction is she has to be World, World Footballer of the Year. Yep. yep. She has to win the Ballon d'Or. She's right out there. Um, everybody else is just in a wake. <laughs> um, look, I'm a fan. I can't help it. She's really good. Yeah. Um, but, no, look, she does a fantastic job. Uh, on the other end of the scale, local leagues. Um, I don't know if you watched the WNPL game that was on last night between Mum and Frio. I did not. But the vision from it wasn't great. You had both Mum and Frio playing in their home kits, which are both of a very reddish tinge. <laughs> I couldn't tell the difference. The only, the only difference I could see was socks. So what what was the reason for that? Was there a reason given? or? Well, Frio turned up in their home kit and, and obviously haven't brought an away kit. Um, they're not a million miles away, so I don't know why someone couldn't have done yeah, the that, dash back and picked up. That a bit Mickey Mouse, to be honest. But the referees allowed the game to go on. Yeah. And as irrespective of that, and there's been some shocking banter going on and, and I think something unnecessary on, on Facebook and during the game. Um, referee is the person that says they're going to play or not because really he's the, the yeah, person exactly. most affected by it. Yeah. Um, and I know I've had um, games between Ashfield and Morley um, where the referee's gone, no, you can't play in your home strips. Yeah. And one's had to change because, um, you know, orange and red's too close. Uh, and that's literally the point of a home and an away strip. I've yeah. still never understood the point of a third kit other than making money. But, um, yeah, and that's, you know, that's why you've got your home kit and you've got your away well, kit. Well, no, and- no, the, the third kit makes perfect sense. When when you think about it, you've got, um, who is it now, one of, the, one of the women's teams, they play in red and black. I think Red Stars play in red and black. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've got, say, um, Murdoch who play in red, and if their away strip is black, okay, fair enough. There's still a clash. I've, I've so, never actually seen that happen, but yeah, no, I'll, no, I'll, but, I'll pay that. Yeah, okay. but you look at um, Mandro; they're playing in their black and white strip, yeah, and they're playing against Ashfield who are in their away strip. Yeah. That their away strip is black. Yeah. So when they go down there, they play in in a red strip because. All right. Well, that's yeah. that's put the cynic in me back in his box there. Yeah. But if your but if your two colours were red and black, yeah. and your away kit is black or red, depending yeah. on on the, then when you go to that club, you're still going to clash. Yeah. Fair so enough. yeah. Fair so enough. a third kit does come in handy, and when you're playing in Euro comps, the chances of that happening are, are bigger and better. So that's why they have a third kit. Okay. Um, yeah, but as I said, there was a, a few things going on there. FFA Cup draw has happened. We've got seventeen seventeen teams in the next draw. Yes. Because uh, Forestfield and Joondalup United still haven't played their cup game. Yep, we've seen that. But we'll get that one out of the way and it'll be down to 16. Mm-hmm. Um, currently, there is one amateur premier side, as in... Jake, oh, no, sorry. Emerald. Emerald, yep. who um, Knocked out beat Balcata. Yeah. yeah. So there's cool. one one amateur prem side in the last 16. And uh, we've gone through that whole sentence without using the phrase magic of the cup, which is which is good. That's normally a you know standard yeah. as soon as there's a cup set. There's there's three Division Two sides and five Division One sides in the last sixteen. That's pretty good. Yeah, yep. And eight NPL sides. 
Yep. And uh, yeah, so Forestfield or Joondalup, the one still to play, yep. they'll be they'll be hosting Coburn in the next round. Then, so yeah, I'll give you something to watch. Away <laughs> <laughs> game. Um, Chelsea, yeah, uh, still in the top four, but they're having some mixed results. Their ownerships are at doubt, and I see that Lewis Hamilton, who is an Arsenal fan, yeah, um, is in the consortium along with Serena Williams, who are considering buying the club. Okay. Okay. That'd be interesting. So Abrahamovic has to sell it, or or he's just going to get it taken off him if he doesn't, or he's he's not allowed to own or operate it, yeah. and he's not allowed to profit from the sale of. So I don't know how that works. <laughs> he, yeah, that's what happens when you pick you pick the wrong mate. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, and tonight we've got Perth Glory versus Western Sydney Wanderers at five forty five. Five forty five. I'm glad I spoke with you about that because yeah. I was under the impression it was seven forty five. Obviously, I was reading the uh, Eastern Stand uh, Eastern States kickoff times. Oh, the um, old so. Eastern States giveaway. Yeah, okay. And and we were actually trying to discuss. We were saying uh, we we're discussing uh, just how big the crowd's going to be because on one hand, obviously the results have been poor and we're definitely going to finish bottom on the of the table. On the other hand, the Glory's done a giveaway for free tickets for members of the football family, and they're all sold out. And yep. we've been promised that Sturridge will appear, uh, as well as obviously being Andy Keogh's final final game or final home game at least. No, because the, the game on Wednesday is a home game. So they're saying this is okay. his final game. Okay, so, so this is his final game. Yeah. Oh, look, um, like him or not, he's been a great servant for the club. He's, he's not... Um, Played for anyone else in in the oh, league, exactly, and he's, yeah. yeah, he went away for a bit when he he fell out of favour, but he he came back to us, um, you know, and he's keen to be involved in the club, and I think once his brother Kenny is involved in the club, um, be interesting to see where he goes. Uh, personally, I hope he's not going to be the coach. Nothing <laughs> against him, but yeah, he's not. I mean, no, we, we, I've said before, we need we need a uh, experienced coach. That's when we've had success in the A League past yeah. previously when we've hired the. FFA's video director or promoted from within, it hasn't worked. No. Uh, and the times we've had success, it's when we've picked a coach who has already been coaching in the A-League with, obviously, in the case of Popovich, with uh, success. And I know Keo, you know, cops a lot of flack about being offside and everything, but honestly, as a Glory fan, in the A-League era, the number one goal scorer for us, 60, 64 goals, uh, number one appearances at 163. Yeah. I can't hate on him. Why? Why would anyone? No, hate exactly. him? I, I can understand but, you getting frustrated. But, but, a bit, those, but. but those goal-scoring records could be broken tonight when Danny Sturridge steps up. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, he's he's got to well, he's got to get to sixty-five. So he'll have to ping a goal about every forty seconds or so. I could live with that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> ever the optimist. Mate. It would be one for the record books. I'm ever the optimist. All right, we're going to go to a break, and we'll be back after these messages with Derek Pollock, who is our EPL superstar. So we'll be back after these. West Coast Futsal Association was established to develop and promote the game of futsal. With a vibrant new look and re-imaging, we are now Futsal WA. With a dedication to capture the fast growth of the sport to all levels, Futsal WA is Futsal in Western Australia. Futsal WA provides boundless opportunities to play with grassroots and junior leagues, pathways to academies, and elite club competitions, and representative futsal that can help you follow a dream of professional futsal in Europe or Asia. With four venues across Perth, as an individual or as a group of mates who want to play, there's a junior, men's, women's, or mixed competition that will suit you. Contact us to get involved in futsal, an action-packed sport, and the fastest-growing sport in Australia. 
Contact us at Futsal WA on 0432 the World Football Programme on Radio Fremantle. We are proud to be the longest running football show on radio in Australia. Join myself, Penny Tannerhoth, Pete Skeller, Sean Kelly and Hugh Best every Saturday morning in the 10am to noon space. You will hear football conversations with a range of guests and gurus. The show lands as a podcast on our website and you can subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Thanks for listening in to the World Football Programme. Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM And good to hear Penny there who's been competing in the uh, Masters football so um, wherever you are Penny, good luck with that And speaking of the Masters uh, games which are going on in Perth right now yeah. um, just wanted to say uh, congratulations to the Breakaways Women's 45s who just got the silver medal, uh, losing 7-9 in the women's softball. have to send a special call out to them because my wife is on the team. Excellent. No, well done. No, I'm always a big fan of the softball games. Anyway, yep. someone else is always also involved in women's football, but uh, football in general is our next guest, Derek Pollock. Derek, good morning. How are you? Yeah, good. Thanks, Sean Pete. How are you guys? Good, mate. Good, mate. Um, Coming into I thought the, the uh, Masters reference was going to be a subtle segue into Man United season. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. If I was going to do it, it wouldn't be subtle at all. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I've seen some stuff for the uh, the tournament that's coming up in July and people are calling that the 2023 bottom four cup. So, <laughs> And I, I think that's unfair because I think Villa are too good to go down. Uh, yeah, Villa, Villa are definitely... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, your, your joke was too, too quick for me there, Sean. <laughs> I, I thought you would always take a, an opportunity to stick the boots in a man you. But um, top top six um, starting to really hot up and, and get interesting at the same time. I mean, the the top two, Liverpool and City, just head and shoulders above the rest. But um, underneath, it's it's starting to get a bit squeaky, isn't it? Yeah, it was. It was. I mean, it was an interesting season because a couple of months ago, it looked as though the title was done and dusted. City were way ahead. It looked like the bottom three were sort of written on to go down, and top four was the only thing left. But you know, all the races really are starting to um, come back to life again. But yeah, the top six one is yeah, fascinating. I mean, Man United look like they're just knocking the door, but then you look at how many games they've played, and if if West Ham and, and Wolves both win their games in hand. United dropped to, to, I think, eight. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Arsenal went from couldn't win a trick to suddenly, you know, beating Chelsea and Arsenal and mm. Chelsea and Man U in a week. Yep. And, and looking suddenly like the favourites to, 
to get into the Champions League next year. And and Tottenham, uh, although they they are where they are, have this bad case of becoming Tottenham. So <laughs> um, they're not guaranteed a spot either. Well, I mean, I mean, they're not even guaranteed a shot on target at this point in time. You know, they haven't had one in two games. So <laughs> yeah, definitely not. Um, so who's your tip for the top six? Oh, uh, well, I mean, yeah, City, Liverpool, Chelsea, um, and then. Arsenal, I think, will, will do enough to, to reclaim... I mean, it'll all come down the North London derby for that one, really. But I think they'll do enough to, to keep top four. Um, Tottenham will do enough. And, I mean, yeah, I mean, I'd never want to tip Man U, so I'll, I'll, I'll throw West Ham's name in the, in the hat for that sixth spot. <laughs> good, good man. <laughs> Although I think their, their squad's becoming thin and they don't have one defender available at the moment. So it's, it's an interesting end to the season for them. I think all their... Um, all of their eggs are in the in the one barrel now for the Euros, but we'll see how they go. Um, well, I mean, they've done. I mean, Moyes is going to be nothing but congratulated for how well they've done this season. I remember having a chat to my other West Ham supporting friend at the start of the season. I was tipping them to have a massive drop off uh, because just just purely on on how thin their squad was, and then you add some, um, you know, the Sunday Thursday Europa League mix into that, and it, it looked like it wasn't a, a decent squad just to handle the Premier League, let alone Premier League and Europe. Yet, you know, lo and behold, we're still talking about them. But, you know, fifth spot this, this long into the season and into the um, semi-final of the Europa League. So, you know, and doing one, well. one game off being in the final, you know, the, anything's, yeah. anything's possible. And the one thing they do well at West Ham is dream. So I think that's um, the dream's still alive. Um, you, well, despite you, what the Blowing Bubble song implies, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Dream>. <laughs> but that's the whole point of it. Is that, I mean, I've been a West Ham fan for yeah, far too long and um, that's West Ham in a nutshell. The, the song's very apt and very fitting. Um <laughs> You mentioned the top two in order of, of Man City and Liverpool. You think City are going to rob Liverpool of the, the quadruple? Well, I mean, I, we say quadruple, but if Everton get relegated, then really it's a quintuple. Um, oh, yeah. No, look, they, they take, I think they'd love to see Everton go down and, um, and, and not win the other games. I think they'd be quite happy with that. <laughs> yeah, no, look, I think, I think um, City will do it. Um, I mean, it's it's... Liverpool probably have the easier running, um, but City, yeah, they just have a way of, of, of getting by. It's one of those ones where it's what's well, a point to win it, so it doesn't really. You can't. I mean, it's that the game against um, against Liverpool when Riyad Mahrez had a glorious opportunity to pass a three ball through yeah. to I think Foden for a tap in and decided for a, a ballsy chip of the keeper that you know was never going to come off and didn't come off. Um, that looks more costly by the minute. How very um, but yeah, think, of him, yeah, you know? yeah, City have the points at yeah. this point. You know, you, you've got to... It's so close. Anything could happen. You've just got to sort of tip with the team that has the points. Yeah, look, and the thing is, you've just got to keep winning. And, there's, I mean, it's like the, the women's um, Chelsea side. If they win, no one can, can get past them. So yep. it's a simple plan. Yeah. Just win. Yeah, and that's what City sort of do best under Pep. Oh, absolutely they do. Um, I'd say the other surprise for me has been Newcastle, who you, you, know, you mentioned about you know, um, a few weeks ago that the bottom three looked nailed on and, and they were there or thereabouts. And, and now they're, they're sitting in ninth spot and, and healthy. Well, if they're actually the second best team in the league since January. Yeah, mm. yeah, absolutely. So, you know, and, and I know they've had investment in January, but, I mean, they had, you know, it was a very, very low bar to begin with. And they um and they haven't had that much investment when you look at it, you know. I mean, in the pure town figures, it's 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 I guess a, a bit, but you know, Chris Wood isn't a game changer. No, nope. um, Gumaraish probably is, but you know, Trippier 
came in for a couple of games and has been out ever since. So, you know, it's not as if they've suddenly had an entire squad lavished upon them. Um, so, you know, Eddie Howe has done some tremendous work there um, since January, just sort of, yeah, like you say, you know, Optus tried to pretend that there was still some kind of, you know, they can mathematically be safe after this weekend or something. But, I mean, they've been safe for realistically for a long time now. And Eddie Howe has done wonders there. Hey, he certainly has. I, I honestly didn't think he was going to be the manager for them. I thought he was an interim manager whilst they, they got a squad, but he's done the best he can. And like you said, um, tr- they bought Trippier. He's played a game, he's out for a few games, and he's back in and he's out again. So, you know, they haven't really bolstered the squad that much. So he is working with what he had, uh, plus one or two extras, which shows you what you can do if you invest in the offseat or the, the transfer window. Um, yeah, you know, if, if you look at your target cash and Gumeray, um, target, sorry, not cash, target um, Wood and Gumeray are not um, enough players I would anyone would really consider normally to revolutionise a team. And so, you know, Eddie Howe has done wonders. And I think the fact that when he was at um, Bournemouth, you know, when before they went down, there were talks about, you know, you see the next manager for Arsenal, you see the next manager for, you know, Team X, Y and Z. So, mm. you know, he's doing, he's doing, you know, he's a good manager. Oh, he must be. Um, now, the bottom three, um, mm. I think you, you look at it, Norwich, they're, they're done. Um, Watford, don't give them much hope either. Um, it starts to get a bit interesting above that when you go through um, Everton, Burnley, Leeds and Villa. Um Again, I, th- I think Leeds and Villa are probably safe. So it's between Everton and Burnley. And and Burnley have been phenomenal since they got rid of Sean Dyke. So. Yeah, um, Everton, I mean, Villa, I mean, yeah, I mean, Everton would have to win three games more than Villa do between now and the end of the season. And if Everton even win three games between now and the end of the season, I'll be <laughs> absolutely flabbergasted. So I can't see, yeah, Villa are safe. And Leeds are just about there as well, I think. And so, like you say, it's Burnley, Everton. Um, Burnley, yeah, they've taken seven points from nine since since they got rid of Dyche, um, which is just phenomenal. And they play Watford this weekend, who haven't won at home since November. So, yeah. you know, you, you could see them getting another three. If they get another... I mean, well, I mean, uh, Everton could go into next weekend being five points from safety, which is not really where you want to go um, if, if you've got the, the sort of record that Everton does. Yeah, and look, it's not as if they haven't invested. It's not as if they haven't tried changing coaches. I mean, it just seems to be their destiny right now. Well, since Farhad Mashiri came in, they've spent more money than Liverpool have. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, the, the investment has not been, you know, the scale of the investment has not been the issue. It's, you know, how much money they've thrown at absolutely rubbish footballers is, is what's really been um, been the problem. And, and really, Everton are basically man you if they weren't a super club. So, you know, yeah. it's just no idea of where we're going to, to go, no plan for what kind of football we want to play. It's, let's just throw whatever money we have at the latest craze and hope that that something sticks mm-hmm. rather than any form of coherent, this is the way we're trying to build. And has it thrown some, some question marks over Frank Lampard's management credentials? Yeah, I don't know. Um, if, if Everton get rid of him at the end of the season, I think he's back to where he started with trying to manage... Uh, a Derby-type club before Derby's financial implosion. Um, you know, a, a, a playoff contention yeah. championship club is really, I think, where, where Frank goes after this because who, who, you know, okay, Everton were in problems before he arrived, but I don't think anyone can look at what the job he's done at um, Everton and say, yeah, this is a good manager in a, in a tough situation. It's, you know, yeah, their, their form is abysmal. And if you look at the run-in Everton have got, 
Yeah, I don't see where their wins are coming from. They've got Crystal Palace, Brentford, Chelsea this weekend, Arsenal, Leicester, um, and Watford. And it'll be a, a massive test of whose record is worse, Watford's home record or, or Everton's away record. Um, so I don't see where, you know, if, if Bournemouth, if not Bournemouth, sorry, if Burnley win this weekend and Everton don't against Chelsea, which you don't think they will, yep. they're five points back. They're five points back. I don't see where two wins are coming from there. No, exactly. And, and we, we talked about Newcastle and, and their um, small dip into the transfer market in January. Um, Everton did the same thing and all they got was failure. I mean, they, they just got players that didn't, didn't seem to be interested, didn't want to play. Um, it's just been abysmal for them since. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Mikalenko has been a great signing, um, but then they find Patterson and he got injured basically straight away. Yeah. Donny Van der Beek got injured pretty much straight away. He looked he looked the goods for the first game, and then and then got injured. Yeah. Um, and then I saw Deli Ali in the crowd the other day, and oh, that's right, they got Deli Ali as well. I just he, he totally slipped my light. Yeah, well, look, I, I thought Van Beek was a good investment. I mean, he, he not had the, a good run at, at Man United and fallen out of favour. Um, Ali, when he was at his best, was um, awesome, but he, he's enigmatic, and they, all they've got is the enigmatic part. Yeah, yeah, and so uh, really, um, Burnley have got a much easier run in. They play at Villa twice, which, you know, you'd think that, they could probably get at least one win from there. They play Watford this weekend, and that should be a win. Mm. So, you know, if they string two or three wins in the final few games, then suddenly that's four wins that Everton need, which for the teams they've got remaining, you just, especially given Arsenal, probably won't be locked in for top four in the last two weeks of the season, so they'll want to put out a good team there. You, you know, it'll be tough just to see really where those where those wins are coming from. But even the, and, Watford, and, even the Watford game, when you've got a, a team that's where Watford are and if they're obviously nailed on for relegation, you've got players there that are playing for their futures, you've got a club that wants to show it shouldn't have gone down um, and they show no love lost against Everton either. Yeah, and I, and I think the worrying thing for Everton as well um, is the, the financial trouble they're in if they get relegated because they're already pushing right against the limits of what's financially possible. And um, the reading I was doing the other day is because relegation just didn't seem like something that existed to them. Hmm. Almost none of their players have relegation wage shop clauses in their contracts, so they'll yeah. be having Jack Rodwell on on steroids across um, the squad, where they've just got all these players on massive Premier League, like really good Premier League wages, yeah. um, in the Championship. With and so, unless they manage to sell almost all of them, um, then. You know, and the shirt sponsor comes up at the end of the season. So, but that's yeah. also that's also why they massive. get the, the balloon payment as well, though, isn't it? But but the balloon payment's not not that much. I mean, no, it's, it's a lot more than you'll get, but it's not enough to sort of deal with the sort of financial negligence that Everton's been run on uh, right. over the past sort of five or six years. Now we're, we're one one Man United manager away from the end of the season. Um, <laughs> What's your predictions for Man United, um, particularly if they don't make Euro, one of the Euro comps? It depends on, on, on whether or not they're, they're willing to sort of actually run the football club like a football club, or if they're, just, well, if they're determined to continue, to continue to run it as marketing FC. Yeah. Um, you know, and if they want to run it like an actual football club, then the future's quite bright, because you've got Ten Hard coming in, who is you know, a systems-oriented manager, who's a very good manager. Um, you've, you know, you've, if, if Ranick... You know, he's become the Austrian manager overnight, but, um, you know, he says that he still wants to do his consultancy role. So if you could get some actual football brains and, and start running the club in a coherent manner, then, you know, not having Europe for one season might be 
not necessarily a bad thing. They've got four or five players on big wages coming off the wage book at the end of the season. Yeah. Um, and then a lot of players, if they don't make Euros, could um, demand out and, and, and get some money for. So, you know, you've got a lot of the raw materials there. Oh, exactly. But start it, a, to start afresh. They're, they're marketing and, uh, towards new players coming in, though, and, and you know, make no, no secret they've been chasing Declan Rice for a while uh, to, to say, you know, to Declan, come, come and play for us when we're not in Europe when you already are in, with West Ham. Um, it doesn't seem like a good pitch. And other teams like City are also trying to, to sign that quality of player. So, you know, given the, the, the choice between playing in European ca- competition or Champions League, um, against a team that's going to spend a season out of it. It's going to make it very difficult for mm. them to recruit that that level of player. Yeah, but I mean, there's always Man United. It's, you know, it is always Man United, rather, so they've got that pull. They signed Pogba when they weren't in the Champions League. I mean, I know not being in Europe at all is um, is different to not being in the Champions League. Um, but yeah, look, they might have to, as you say, scale back the sort of the dream a little bit and maybe go for the poor man's Declan Rice. Um, whoever that may be, but it would be a good chance. Uh, mate, I mean, mate. again, like I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm casting into the well here and, and coming up with ideas that are probably so fanciful they're never going to happen. But if United decided to go, look, let's just do what what West Ham did <laughs> and get like you know a hard-working core of players yeah. who want to all work for the team in a way that they haven't really in any meaningful way before now, then let's do that. And, they, they and I with, think you know they could do well with that. They could end up with Grealish. Um, Now the European competitions um, they're also coming to a a close Um, obviously Liverpool and Man City are doing um, wonderful wonderful things in in those leagues Um, what's your predictions in the Euro comps? Uh, Real Madrid they just they're just so annoying aren't they? (laughs) They just do Real Madrid things all the time they're just really not I'm, I'm trying to figure out if they're the worst best team ever or the best worst team ever. Um, you know, they just, you know, uh, keep it tight and then just have players. It's like the Galacticos model again where, you know, this season in the Champions League, Kareem Benzema scored eight goals in the knockout stages from an XG of two point something. Yeah. Um, the difference between his XG and his actual goals is just next level. You know, that goal he scored against City where he, you know, was behind him and he kind of wrapped his foot around it and put it yeah. into, into the corner was an XG of point oh three. So... Yeah, I mean, that, that that game at 4-3 should really be something like 4-1, um, 5-2, something like that. Um, but, you know, it isn't. And so if they play like that again in Madrid, then you'd, you'd fancy Man City going through because, you know, like Chelsea, they were 3-1 down going to the Madrid game. And, you know, if it wasn't for, uh, you know, a, a pretty technically correct but ethically wrong handball call on Alonso, yeah. um, then Chelsea would be going through. Um, the Madrid would be would be out, and they can't. You know, it's just a case of how many games can Benzema carry the team through. And then, you know, they're not even that good a team. You know, I remember the days of Pellegrini's Madrid, who got a hundred and something points, hundred and one points, I think it was, in, in La Liga, and not winning the league because Barca was that much better. Or, you know, they got a hundred and two, a hundred and three. And this season, Madrid are on seventy eight points, and if they win one more point, they will be guaranteed the league. Yeah. So, you know, they've really only got there because. Everyone else has kind of fallen off, so it's hard. You know, if Benzema, you know, he, he's him and Vinicius can possibly carry them through the next the next game and get them to the final. But equally, if the game's anything like it was on on, on Tuesday night, then I think um, Man City should go through and Liverpool. I can't see Villarreal scoring two goals against Liverpool, let alone three. So they shoot pretty comfortably through to the final. Yeah, absolutely. And then in the the Euro Cup, you've got um, 
both German sides in the ascendancy over West Ham and Rangers? Yeah, um, I mean, West Ham, it's, it's only one goal, though. So, um, you know, they didn't have a great result against Lyon uh, um, at home. And no, then they went away in the second leg and... You know. don't, don't play well at home. Um, away is always <laughs> yeah. the, the dream, really. So I don't know what that's about, but it's working for no. them. Like yeah, and they, they, you know, they, they got past um, Lyon pretty comfortably yeah. in um, in away the away leg. So again, Frankfurt are a much better team than Lyon this season, but maybe they can do the same thing. So you know, that on on paper, West Ham should be going through, but again, doesn't always happen on paper. No. No, it's 11, 11 versus 11 out there in the park, and I think the, they don't have one fit uh, centre-back. So that'll be interesting to see what uh, Moisey does. But, you know, Moisey magic, we'll, we'll see what happens. Indeed. And then Rangers? I mean, as a Hits fan, any time Rangers win causes me pain. Um, <laughs> and so, uh, you know, I'd never like to predict them. It's, 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 it's a win-win or lose-lose. If they win, then at least Scotland's um, club coefficient goes up. If they lose, then I get to laugh. Um, but, um, <laughs> yeah, look, they, they beat, they're not pressure dropping out. So, um, you know, there's every chance Rangers can get up against Leipzig. I hope that Leipzig don't, um, but, like, they, they do the job in Glasgow. But, again, you know, it's a, it'll be a tough game. 1-0 only going to the second leg. Yeah. Um, and that was quite a lucky 1-0. You know, Rangers had quite a few good opportunities to score in that game. So, you know, anything's really possible in Glasgow. Um in the sort of the culture and maybe Rangers will be fired up after, you know, tonight Celtic can not mathematically because goal difference is still a thing, but basically if Celtic win t- um, tomorrow night, then they've won the league um, yeah. unless Rangers somehow overturn like a 19, it's about a 19 goal goal difference and Celtic lose every single other game, which just isn't going to happen. So, you know, if they get fired off about that then maybe they can take their frustrations out on, on Leipzig. <laughs> yeah. But look, I think you got Ange Postacoglu over at uh, Celtic um, at the the start of the year. They're going Ange who, and you know yeah. now he's he's done what we knew he would do. Um, he's just he's got Ange ball all over Celtic, um, and they're, they're dominating in that league. and And their women's side has done well as well. And I see they've got an, a young Australian girl playing for them that's won the um, Scottish Player of the Year as well. Yeah, she played for Perth Glory as well, yeah. um, Gallup Badarici. Uh, but look, Ange has done wonders in Celtic. I mean, the fact that they were 25 points behind Rangers last season and just looked absolutely abysmal for most of the season, really, Celtic. And he's come in with, like you say, the old Ange who, but the commentary around Ange's appointment at Celtic, got like, uncomfortably xenophobic <laughs> um, <laughs> originally, you know, and, and, and I think he kind of almost not pointed that out, but in the first press conference when they spoke about, oh, the leaks, yeah, and he goes, well, I've actually managed at the World Cup and managed against Spain and, and, and Netherlands. I don't know what leap you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, and yeah, like he, he did what everyone has done. And look, as someone who is an avid Scottish football supporter, um, a lot of fans of Scottish football um, have a, a, a um, almost delusional opinion of, of where it is in the world game and how good the league actually is compared to other leagues around the world. You know, we're not actually anywhere close to where a lot of, a lot of Celtic Rangers fans think we are as a league. Um, no. And so, you know, he was, he was always going to go there and, and do well. Um, a man like Angie, you know, he's just such a good manager. So it'll be interesting to see how long he stays for. And he's not going to win the treble, but to win a double, um, comfortably win a double in the first season is, you know, is very impressive. Oh, look, after the year they had before, um, you know, the pressure is always on them. And, and as long as they beat Rangers, they won't worry about the rest. <laughs> but um, is he going to become a target for one of these EPL clubs in the next year or so? The next year or so, possibly. It depends on it, it really in, in Scotland. If you're a Celtic Rangers manager, it depends on 
normally it depends on what you do in Europe. Not, I mean, not always because Rogers got approached by Leicester despite um, never doing anything in Europe. But if Fange has success in Europe, then absolutely he'll be um, a target from an, an English club um, before too long. Uh, but that'll be, especially because what's most impressive is not just the fact that he's overturned this massive deficit in one single season, the fact that he's done it whilst also simultaneously revolutionising the way they play. Yep. They are such a different team this season to last season. Um, and to do, do that basically overnight is just so amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Now, one final thing before we go. Um, the women's MPL, did you watch the game last night? Uh <laughs> I didn't watch the game, no, but is this the one where Frio had an extremely dark maroon kit and um, Melville had a, a red and black kit? Well, Melville had their home kit and so did Frio, yeah. yeah. Um, have you ever... I mean, for, 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 it wouldn't have mattered if Frio had their away kit because their away kit's black. It's, it's, it's been an issue that's been point, I pointed out myself yeah. when they came to play Sterling a couple of years ago. We had a red and black kit and they had a dark maroon and a black kit. It's like, why don't you have a kit that's actually different to yeah. the other one. It, that would make a lot of sense. Well, I just said to Pete, this is why we have third kits. And I think well, that's you... why you have a home and away kit that makes sense. Mm. But, but, you know? I, but I also know from my own experience with, with being involved in the management of the club is that you look at the, the teams in your league and you try and pick an away kit that's not going to clash with most of them. And then if you do have one, uh, well, as used to clash with Mandras you know, and, and Swan because they're black and white, um, so we didn't wear a away kit. We wore our red shirts against them. There was no problem. So you don't have to wear your, your um, away kit, but the, the home kit didn't clash. So, um, But, but the, you could have it too. You could have for playing like an intra-club game where one team wears the home, one team wears the away, yeah. and it would, still, it would still look a bit uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah, so absolutely. just have a, have a white kit or you know, something green or something totally different to the other one. That would be my opinion anyway. So, there's, there's, you know, plenty, there's, there's people running that club that are more experienced than I am, but still. There's plenty of colours out there that don't clash. And, you know, like the, the glory teal kit doesn't clash with anything. So, oh. you know. <laughs> I know yeah, you exactly. Like, Pete, Pete loves yeah, it. A kit that doesn't clash with your own kit would be, would be a start. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Look, Derek, thank you very much for your time, mate. Much appreciated. Um, obviously, we'll... we'll keep in touch over the coming weeks and we'll see how the, the leagues pan out and how Europe pans out. And at the end of it, um, you'll be a, a happy City fan, I imagine. Yeah, possibly. We'll see how we go. All right, mate. Thank you very much, guys. Thank you. See ya. Okay, that was Derek Pollock with his thoughts on um, all sorts of football. He's very everything, yeah, everything under the sun. Yeah, I like it. I just throw a couple of things at him and he goes, yeah, no worries. And he's got a, a good opinion on all of it. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, look, that explains the third kit. And I know that he was involved in Sterling. So I thought, you know, Sterling playing red. There's lots of teams in the women's NPL who play in red. Yeah, well, as, as he said, like the very first step is your away kit has to be very different to your home kit. Yeah. Um, that's... Well, I would have thought common sense, but obviously there are teams. It ain't that coming, don't, mate. Yeah. <laughs> it ain't coming. <laughs> All righty. Uh, so we talked about the women's MPL, so we may as well carry on with that flavour. There was a game last night between Mum and Frio. Yeah, I don't know the result because it hasn't been updated on the website. Uh, I think it was Frio was 3 1 up when I. When that, I, I think watching. I did see Penny shared something about that. So I, I think it was a win to Fremantle. Yeah. Uh, and this weekend, the remaining fixtures on Sunday. We have, no, this one's been postponed. So on Sunday, we have Balcata Etna against Curtin University at 3am at Grindleford and then at Rosalie Park 
uh, at 3.45. It's Subiaco against Hyundai NTC and the Perth Red Star versus Perth SC game has been postponed, according to Football West. Yeah, there's a lot of games been scrubbed because of COVID. Yeah, um, I, was, I was actually... Uh, so last last week's fixtures, uh, yeah. two of them were postponed. So Curtin Uni versus Mum FC was postponed, as was the NTC women against Balcatta. Uh, Fremantle City and Perth SC played out a nil-all draw. And Perth Red Star banged nine without answer against Subiaco. So... Alrighty. There wasn't a lot of goals scored in most games, but there was a lot scored in one. Absolutely. Okay, so we're going to go to a break and we'll be back after this with uh, Tacky Nicker ladies from Mum FC who are playing in Division 1 of the State League. Gate and Fence Hardware WA, your one-stop shop for all gate and fence hardware components, wrought iron, automation and electronic gate security. We can offer great advice and solutions for your project. Trade and layman, welcome. Hardware shipped all over Australia. Contact the team on 92586822 or shop online at gateandfencehardware.com.au. Station sponsor. You're listening to Community Radio, powered by passionate football volunteers just like myself. You can appreciate the entertainment by becoming a station member. Hi, I'm Phil Kelly, Chair of the Football West Men's State League Standing Committee. Listen in next for Western Australian local football news. And we're back in the room now. There's a, a number of games been played in Division 1 today. Yeah, so coming up today, this afternoon, we have Fremantle City at home against Joondalup United, Forestfield United travelling to Kingsway Olympic, Rockingham City hosting Quinns FC, UWA Netherlands at home against Subiaco, AFC, Dianella White Eagles hosting Western Knights, and probably most importantly right now, Murdoch University Melville will be hosting Mandurah City. Yes, and, and joining us right now is the coach of Murdoch University Melville in Tacky Nicolades. Tacky, good morning. How are you? Morning, James. Very well yourselves? Yeah, good, mate. Um, promoted from, from Divi 2 last season. Um, I know that's been a, a long-held dream of the, the club to, to break out of Division 2 and into Division 1. Um, how are you finding the, the, the step up? Um, look, it has been difficult, uh, not just uh, obviously on, on the pitch and off the pitch as well, just uh, yeah, adjusting from uh, Div, Div 2 life where the club's been for, for, for a number of years into Div 1. Uh, but uh, yeah, the support's been good. Uh, in term, I'm saying from a, a set-up point of view, the club have been very supportive towards myself and, uh, and the team and, uh, and also supportive towards uh, yeah, recruiting and retaining the, the, the best players we can uh, get our hands on, I guess. So, um, but yeah, the, the transition's been pretty good and um, so far, you know, the, the ride's been uh, um, quite high, I guess. So, when you, you say um, acquired some players, um, I noticed that um, Faisal Zor, who you would have had in your team uh, in the Balcata days, is, is playing for you now. Um, is he one of the ones that you picked up over the close season? 
Yeah, I, I wasn't at Balcatta, but uh, oh, I yeah. do know Fozzer well. Um, and uh, he was someone that we talk, I was talking to when I was at Inglewood. Yeah. Um, so then I, was, yeah, I ended up uh, leaving just before he, uh, he came across. But, yeah, no, he was definitely uh, one of them. Uh, and he's been a, a, a very good acquisition. Uh, good person, good player, just gets on with it. And uh, he's been very effective and, and well liked, by, not just by his coaching staff, but uh, everyone, uh, all his peers uh, in the team. Yeah, and I think looking through your, your fixtures, um, other than a game against Western Knights, you've been holding your own pretty well? Mm. Yeah, we have so far, and uh, yeah, the rights, as I said before, has been quite uh, built. It wasn't uh, exactly what we expected. However, um, it's, it's the, I guess, the direction that we want to go and wanted to go. So, um, yeah, we probably got got there a little bit quicker than uh, than we expected. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, as I said, the, the players that have uh, you know, that have come into the club, plus those that have um, <coughs> excuse me, we came from last year, have bought into obviously uh, the way we want to play, and, uh, and and they've been very effective, and you know, obviously had a good night series, um, ending up with a, a win in the final, and we've had a good start to the season, and a couple of good cup games so far. So, but. Today's another challenge, I guess. Yeah, look, definitely. You, you've got um, a good-looking squad there. You've got uh, a number of players that have NPL um, and First Division experience. So, uh, uh, Paddy Quinn, Paddy Sarah, um, Daniel Tate, um, Faisal, obviously, and um, a player here by the name of Reese Williams. I've heard that name somewhere before. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's not related to the Reese Williams that we all know, <laughs> but uh, Reese is the... Uh, and same spelling as well. He's um, he was captain at UWA last year, and he's uh, he's come across and uh, he's done done a very good job uh, so far. And uh, I know he's, he's he came in a little bit late, and he's uh, bide his time. But uh, you know the games that he has play, played, he's been uh, very impressive and very serviceable. Yeah, no. Look at I just look at the squad and think you know it's a, it's a very professional looking squad. And um, I noticed that all of your boys are signed up on professional contracts. Um, what's your, your thoughts on that? I mean, you don't have to worry about another team taking away, say, a, a Daniel Tate or a Paddy Sarah from you. So you you protected that investment for the season. Um, and I noticed there are some clubs, noticeably um, two within your league, that don't have any professional players. But I think it's a you know. It's it's not a bad thing. No, I, I'm all for it. Uh, to be fair, um, the way I look at it from a, a coaching and a club point of view, um, yeah, we're we're showing commitment to the players by offering them agreements, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, and obviously, yeah, we we want the players to return that uh, uh, that commitment uh, back to us as well. And uh, yeah, I've, I've been around long enough uh, where, uh, with the exception of NPL, where. You, know, you can't transfer from MPL to MPL, but you know, previously, you know, anyone can uh, you know, move from one club to another at any stage and without any consequences. And uh, look, for, from my point of view, uh, I, I think it's a good thing. And when the club spoke to me about it, uh, I endorsed it immediately. Um, I think it's good. You know, we're, we're committing to the players, com- uh, players com- committing to myself and, and the club. And that also shows to me the intent that they want to be at the club. Uh, for the right reasons, not because of X, Y, and Z. So, uh, you know, when I'm building and planning, uh, I don't, you know, don't want any, don't really want any hiccups where a player, uh, you know, gives you a text message say, "Hey, look, I'm not happy," decides to move on, and then all of a sudden you put all your eggs into one basket, and 
you've lost a player for, for no reason. Or, or worse than that, they go, look, I was really happy playing for you, but they've offered me 10 bucks more and I'm going. Um, so it stops all that sort of stuff happening. But also, looking through your squad, you've got young Taj, who's an extremely young player. That's an investment in the future. As a 16-year-old, he's now got a, a, a contract that says he's a professional footballer, but it protects his development with you. Um, and you know, you've got other players at 19, 20, 21. Um, and obviously, you, you, the club wants to keep those kids that they brought up through the system um, and tie them to the club for some time. Yeah, no, 100%. And look, um, I know Mark James has been at the TV at the club for the last four, maybe even five seasons. And that's, uh, and I've known Mark for, for a long time. That's one thing that uh, James was saying to me is like, you know, the, you know, we've got such a good junior uh, base and obviously last year all our NPL juniors got ranked number one in uh, out of all the NPL juniors. Yeah. Um, but previously, they, they've never really had that pathway where, okay, we finished playing 15, 16, so now we want to go into Saturday football. What are the options within the club? Well, the options currently or previously were Div 2, uh, which, again, might not uh, might be okay for some, but when the NPL clubs uh, are knocking on the door, high one clubs, uh, especially in and around our area, um, yeah, heads heads can turn. But obviously now that we we are in Div One, um, wasn't just Taj. It was another uh, three players, uh, or four in total from last year's under 16s that we offered scholarships to. Yeah. Uh, so they trained full time with the first team, uh, and obviously Taj has probably been the one that's excelled most out of the four. Um, and he's, he started in every game this season. Uh, and, and, and for me, that's the fruit of all the good work that we've been doing uh, you know, within the club, with our juniors, and now they can start seeing a pathway uh, out of you know, junior football into senior football and rather than sort of do all the good work uh, in our juniors. And then once they get to you know, 15, 16 and they're looking to, to be playing Saturday football, they end up going elsewhere. So yeah. um, that's... that's that's pretty much the aim and goal of the club, and and we will continue to do that uh, with uh, you know the next club for next next season as well from sixteens. Absolutely, but when you look at it, I mean you, your team's got a lot of good on-field coaches as well. We spoke about Faisal before, but um, you know you've got Paddy Quinn out there who's, who's done a hell of a lot in his his career, um, and and Pat, Paddy Sarah who are both you know very very good players, but. The, the experience that they've had um, must rub off on those other other young players around them. Yeah, without a doubt. You know, we've also got the likes of uh, Tom Allen, who's our captain. Yeah. Um, you know, Josh Gardner. Uh, you know, he's, he's been around as well. And um, so that the leadership and guidance from these guys with uh, some of these younger guys that have come in has been uh, very good. And 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 the, and the good thing about it is, you know, we, we, whilst we do have a disparity in. Uh, you know, our youngest player and our, and our oldest player, um, they all get on. They all respect each other. They all um, you know, uh, listen to each other and they work hard for each other. And for me, that's, that's a key ingredient for um, to success, not just now, but also um, you know, moving forward. Absolutely. I think, you know, people underestimate the step up from, from one to two. And, you know, you've done it very well. Um, the team that won your league last year haven't done so well, but I think they're playing Knights today. So that'd be an interesting game. Yeah. Oh, look, it, it, and again, you know, last year's last year. And, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, it's, uh, if, if you dwell on what you've done in the past, you never move forward. 
uh, and that's the one thing that uh, you know, Mark Jones and Michael Inello, our, um, our president, uh, supported me with making sure that you know, we are on the same page, we are working together and we are working forward and, and we, we want to be progressive. And, 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 the, and the beauty about our club is that we do have some, some a lot of support and some, some good networks and we've also got you know, a hell of a good bunch of juniors that are coming through and you know, we, we want to prom- promote uh, the our better players out of our juniors into Saturday, keep them, develop them, and you know, at the end of the day, similar to the contract situation that we mentioned before, yep. you know, we put some faith and loyalty in, into our homegrown players. Um, we, we like to think that they'll end up putting some faith and trust in, in us and, and, and remain loyal. And it's, oh. it, it is a good club, it is a good setup, and uh, yeah, as I said, we're just got to keep taking those forward steps. And when you look at the, the transfer market now or the, the um, transfer situation in Australia has changed, so now um, A-League clubs who come in and, you know, nick one or two of your, your better players from you can now be you, – you can be recompensed for that through that um, contract situation. So, you know, for, for small clubs, and I, I you know, even though Mum's one of the biggest clubs in the state, um, you know, in comparison to an A-League uh, club, fairly small – the, the investment money, if you're developing good players, will help the club in the, in the long run. Yeah, without a doubt, and not, and not before time as well. And look, not that the financial reward would be uh, you know, that great um, that you know, the club can you know, invest in, uh, in club rooms or, or whatever, but I think also it is recognition that you know, the player has come from your club, but probably the fact that if they do go on and you know, make a career out of it or get some exposure out of it, you know that they've come from Melbourne. Absolutely. When you look at Trent Sainsbury, you mentioned Trent Sainsbury and Armadale in the same breath. So it's that sort of thing that you, you want to see happening. And you know, for any club, that, that being associated with that is always going to be a good thing. Um, today's game against uh, Mandra, you, do you know much about your opposition? Yeah, I've done, done a bit of homework on them. Like I'm sure they've done some homework on us. And yeah. uh, look, they're, they're a tough team, very tough team. Uh, and yeah, on their day, they uh, they can mix it. It's not yeah with all, all clubs. Um, obviously, yeah. Obviously, there's been a bit of uh, you know, COVID cases and yeah. uh, and injuries. Not and not just for them, but you know, for all clubs, including ours. Yeah. Um, but yeah, ultimately, it sometimes it comes down to the quality of your depth. Um, that can make the difference on on match day. But look, you know, they they do have a, a, a very very strong side, and, and to that, today's game is going to definitely won't be a pushover. And uh, we know that we, if we are to win uh, and get something out of today, we must be at our absolute best. And that will be the message to, to my playing group today. That uh, yeah, this is going to be uh, another game as you know as big as us playing you know Western Knights a couple of weeks ago or Kingsway in the final. This is going to be just as big. And and just how important is the 12th man? And I mean by that, your you're all-weather pitch, which is one of the best services in the league. Um, it is. It, uh, I know when I first got there, I hadn't really had a lot of exposure on it previously, but um, you know, I've been very impressed. Uh, it's good from a, a training point of view, and obviously from a game point of view, that there's, there's no bo- bobbles. Um, you know, the, the bounce is true. The roll is true. Um, and you know, you're not playing on a, uh, a postage stamp um, size pitch as you know we do at some of the grounds, and we know that it's going to last for, for the full season. So 
uh, from from my point of view. It is good. It does take uh, a little bit of getting used to, but there's no excuses for not being able to play football. Oh, no. I, I think the, the fact that you, you factored out all of those... Um, Little Miss Bobbles and other things, it, it makes that for a much better game. Um, and I, I hope that that's the way that, that, that we go in general because, um, as you said, the, the pitch is true. It really encourages good football. And, and some of the, the stuff that we see in, in other games where they've, that you're playing on a, a slope or you've, you've got the, the pitch has been drawn in five metres because they know you, you're a quick side or shortened. Um, I don't think all those, those little tricks really help. In the long run, it doesn't doesn't make for a better game. Uh, look, I think it's it, it, uh, you know shortening uh, the the width of the pitch or the the length of the pitch is more the psyche side of it. But I mean that's quickly, you know, that should be quickly um, you know uh, overtaken by by the mindset, in my opinion. But uh, yeah, obviously you know, having played, I've been at uh, other clubs and, and all that where. Um, you know, some clubs actually train on the main pitch, and then come mid-season, it's you know, it's it is a quagmire and bumpy, and you don't have that smooth surface, and it's not not the best for for playing football. But then you then have to adjust your game, yeah. uh, and probably start going a little bit longer. Uh, which you know, if you've done all, all your um, you know, all your all your prep work uh, pre-season and and working on your style, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, to then have to adjust mid-season because the pitch isn't up to scratch. Uh, isn't ideal, but look, it is what it is. And from from our point of view, you know, <clears throat> and from a coaching point of view, it's, there's nothing better being able to be playing on a uh, training on a main uh, our main pitch with with fantastic facilities, fantastic lights, um, and it just makes planning and training so much more enjoyable. Oh, look, from a club perspective, you can you can play on that 24 hours a day, seven days a week, um, and you know anyone can play on it. Whereas I know. Other clubs, only the first team get to play on the main pitch and no one trains on it, which is not ideal um, because you have to preserve it for the season. But I think, you know, the investment in all weather is, is good and obviously Mum have done the right thing. I know there was a problem with Ellenbrook's pitch and it wasn't their fault, it was a manufacturing fault. Mm. But, um, you know, the, the pitch is now... Uh, are so much di- or very, very different to what was around 10, 20 years ago. And I know the first all-weather pitch I played on was Asphalt, so it's come a long, long way. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. I, I, I remember the first, uh, when I went to England for, for a holiday, I played a couple of games over there with with some friends and the uh, synthetic surface over there was, was pretty much just like playing on the synthetic uh, cricket uh, and wickets that we have here. Yeah. So uh, it definitely has... It definitely has come a long way, and as I said, for me, um, I, I definitely do endorse it. All right, Tack, thank you very much for your time. Glad to see the club's doing so well um, under your tutelage, and you know you, you're giving the the Divi One a good shake. Mm. Um, and best of luck for the rest of the season, mate. Yeah, uh, thanks. For, thanks so much for the support, and uh, yeah, we'll stay in touch. Thank you. No worries. Thanks, Tack. Thanks. Taki Nihalides, who is the coach of Mum FC, yep. um, doing He's good cur- things out currently there. Currently sitting sixth on the table. Yeah, as look, a plan manager in seventh, so it's still early days. but yeah. and, and it's a very, very tough league. I mean, yep. it, people think it's it's a farm league. It's not. <laughs> it's it's very much a, a very, very good league. Yep. Um, in, in local comps, yeah, right up there, I think. Anyway, a lot of good football played and a lot of good clubs in there. So, yeah, good to hear that they're doing so well. And that pitch does... Um, hold up remarkably well yep. 
for what's going on. Okay, we're going to go to a break very shortly and we will be back with um, Donna Gufrey, who is with DT38. Um, they do a lot of good work for um, young men's health. So yep. we'll be back after these. Oswest Fencing and Wrought Iron is a fourth generation family business. Bring us about your custom gate and fence projects. We can manufacture, install or automate your gates, offer electronic security or simply just provide sound advice. Let our family look after your family. Oswest Fencing and Wrought Iron. Call us on 9258-6822. Station sponsor. Hi, I'm Peter Skeeler. Everyone seems to think I'm the ultimate wingman and full of helpful information. It's true, I am. My passion is trivia and Australian football statistics. Check out aleaguestats.com, my website where you can follow all the stats and results from the men's and women's A-leagues from the beginning of time, or at least 2005 and 2008 respectively. You're listening into the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle, and we appreciate you tuning in. You're listening to Radio Fremantle 107.9. I never see your lips move when you do that. That's it's, amazing. I've been practising for ages. And, and um, you, you like trivia, so what's your best bit of football trivia? Um, I mentioned it the other day, but Australia is actually the country that came up with numbers on kits. I found that one out a couple of months ago and was quite taken with it. So when they say Australia's got no footballing culture... Anytime you see a player mate. with a I'm number in, on the back? I'm impressed. All right, NPL today. NPL today. Well, actually, if my Football 24 app is to be believed, yeah. we had the first game last night, which, again, if it's to be believed, uh, was a nil-all draw between the Perth Glory Youth and Perth SC. Uh, yeah. Coming up today, it's Armadale at home against Perth Red Star. Floriot Athena, who had a shock 3-0 loss to Coburn last last time, uh, uh, hosting Gwellup, Croatia. Balcata Etna at home against Sorrento, Bayswater City travelling to Inglewood United and Coburn City away to Stirling, Macedonia. Excellent. Okay, joining us now on air is Donna Gufrey from DT38. Good morning, Donna. How are you? Let's try that. Donna, how are you? There we go. That's better. That's much, <laughs> much better, isn't it? Yeah, that's good. Um, yeah, good. Um, going well. How, how's the family? The family is good. They're um, growing up. My firstborn is now playing at Sterling Lions, so I'm officially a soccer mum. Yeah, excellent. Um, so well done. Fun. Yes, yes, it's great. Um, <laughs> but there is, you know, being a mum of two boys, everyone told me it, was, um, it gets more fun, and it definitely is. <laughs> so, <laughs> my, my, yeah, son, no, my son has four boys, so yeah. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> No, no. Everyone's like, another one for a girl? I was like, no, because knowing my luck, I'll end up with another boy and not, not having that. No way. <laughs> B- 
been there, got that T-shirt. <laughs> yes, I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> all righty. Um, all that joviality out of the way. Um, it's been eight years since uh, Dylan passed. Um, a tragic yes. event, but look from from tragedy, great things have grown, and the the DT thirty eight trust just keeps growing with it. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, the biggest and the most important thing is that we're we're continuing to keep Dylan's legacy alive and well and truly cemented in in the football community, whether it's here in Australia or over in the UK. Yeah. Um, but you know, we're we're stepping stones to making sure that it's, it's a global thing because. Um, you know, eventually Dylan's name, we want it to be a household name. When people associate it with the work we're doing, they think of Dylan's story and think to themselves, let's not let that happen to someone we love and care about. So that's the most important thing for us. Yeah, mm. absolutely. So um, what sort of things are going on within the local community Australia? Yeah, we had our um, inaugural DT38 charity golf day, finally. Oh. After, um, yes, it was a... It happened uh, in March, um, yeah. and it was after two postponements thanks to COVID. But we we put the bullet, and a day before it went on, it was the restrictions came into place again, the, yeah. the square meter rules and all yeah. of that fun stuff. And I was like, oh god, no! But we went ahead with it. We uh, were like, no, we're just going to do it. We had everyone already pre-booked, and you know, it was sold out. Um, and you know, it was one of the most um, perfect days. It rained in the morning, and. Tracy, Dylan's mum, who's um, here at the moment, or she's in Melbourne at the moment, but was here in person, she's like, that's Dylan playing tricks on us. Yeah. He's definitely <laughs> playing tricks. He, lo- he loved his golf. So we knew that he was just going to play a little fun game with us, and then it was just a beautiful, sunny day for the rest of the day. And um, it was very successful, and we're very, very lucky. We had quite a few sponsors jump on board, and then, you know, the glory play the day before match day, which is unheard of, came down. Um, for half an hour, I sat on the um, the Q and A. Daniel Sturridge came as well to speak to everybody, and you know it was it was it was very heartwarming that um, you know that first boy were able to come through for us as well, just to mm. give the you know give our people um, something extra to look forward to during the day. So yeah, it was great. It's what the football family do, isn't it? It is. It is, and yeah. um, everyone was shocked when the plays were there because the, you know I sent a wish list in to Tony Sage and Tony Pinata, and I said. These are the people I would love here. I know it's the day before match day, but, you know, we wanted the likes of Brad Jones and Daniel Sturridge there and Andy Keogh and Bruno Fornaroli and whatnot, and they were like, look, and we asked for Brandon O'Neill, but unfortunately his, um, his wife had um, COVID at the time and the close contact rules were still in place. So, yeah. you know, these first-team players that a lot of the people in there that knew um, and resonated with and have seen them, um, so it was very special to have them there talk and, you know, Brad and Daniel also spoke about Dylan's story. They knew a bit about it, which was amazing. So it was just, yeah, it was fantastic to see the football community just um, stand behind us. And Tony Sage um, has been one of our biggest supporters throughout the year. So, it's, um, yeah, it's a very special uh, partnership that we have here. Um, and also things go on on the eastern coast. I, I noticed yeah. that on April the 3rd there was a, a game, DT38 versus DD44, which was yeah. uh, Danny Dixon, who is obviously a survivor of t- testicular cancer. Mm-hmm. So it was great to see that you know, that raised um, some, some decent money for the foundation. Yeah, absolutely. Look, Danny's story is... Um a great heartwarming one and just like Dylan he was a warrior on the pitch you know um, straight back to training wanting to do what he loved wasn't going to let this disease um, you know ruin his 
you know, ruined his life and bent him down. And the East Coast community, I say this every time someone speaks to me, is just, Dylan's not from there. However, they, you know, they, they resonate with his story. They know his story. Um, you know, he's an Australian football um, player. So it doesn't matter, you know, where you're from, South, East Coast, wherever. Um, they came together. They raised over, oh, I think it was over 10 grand, if not more. Um, you know, they had a exhibition match, you know, past players, yeah. present players, like Vanillia, mm. Roddy Vargas, um, you know, played uh, Cal Falar. And then, you know, you had the Hume City guys, um, with Danny playing, you know, uh, Rahishi, Mahazi, all these players came together um, with the help of the PFA past and present player program that they have. And, you know, it was, again, it was a simple, like, can you come out? Can you do this for us? It's for DT38. It was a whole day put on at Hume City down at Bormeadow Stadium down there. And um, it was, I wish I could have been there, uh, but I couldn't risk it with my family flying no. over a few days after to Perth from Melbourne. I was like, I'm not catching the COVID. Um, <laughs> sorry, guys. I love you, but not enough. I haven't seen my family in long enough. So, yeah, I, I don't, but, I don't need know, the Rona. Yeah. No, I don't need the Rona, you know, five days before my son's baptism uh, two years later. But, they, so, but they, raised, uh, they raised just shy of 14K. I mean, that's that's a very, yeah, very good effort. Yeah, very good effort. Oh, look, it was crazy. And Danny is, um, you know, everyone that speaks to him, he's just sweet, genuine, um, little legend is what I call him, little legend Absolutely. out there. And he just wants to you know, do what he loves. And I'm so happy that the work that we do, and we were the first point of contact for them to get in touch with us. The guys at Hume City were like, no, nah, we know, we know DJ City can help you. And whether we did the exhibition match or not, it was the fact that they called us to help and assist and support Danny and support them because the people around you um, need support as well. It's not just the person going through it because we're the ones holding it together, trying to make sure everything's, you know, well and truly great and pushy oh, on the outside. Absolutely, so, yeah. Um, yeah, it's very, very important. So, you know, the East Coast, uh, one of our number one supporters, Peter Philopoulos as well, and, you know, it's just amazing what's going on down there. So there's going to be big things happening over East. Um, Tracy's there at the moment and cementing herself with a few key people over there. Yeah. And um, no doubt in the next, you know, you know, six months, um, you'll see a lot more happening over there, whether it's in Sydney or Melbourne, um, but definitely over in Victoria, there'll be huge things happening. And talking about keeping his name out there and, and relevant, um, I see that yeah. Harry Souter was the recipient of the Dylan Tombides medal. Yes. Um, yes. presented second, that by Graham Arnold. Yes, and um, if you watch his, the way the video went on, obviously, thanks to COVID, we couldn't do a big elaborative um, presentation. However, we are organising for um, Dylan's brother Taylor to hopefully go down and see Harry and because um, obviously based in the UK it's a lot easier to go give him his medal uh, personally as well and do yep. a little photo op with him but you know very um, very fitting a young um, you know a young footballer one of the best in the campaign thoroughly deserving of it and it was I loved how you know Graham explained the medal it wasn't just you've won the DT38 Dylan Tomlin's medal he explained it and explained the reason behind it and again I just love that that's you know, it's another way to cement um, Dylan's legacy in the football community and, you know, no better than awarding it to someone that would have been a, you know, is a teammate now, you know, yeah. and a colleague. And, and obviously West Ham um, do a lot. I know in the Burnley yeah. game, they, they put up uh, Dylan's picture in the 38th minute and yes. they had the, um, yes. the applause for him. Uh, look, it was a DT38 match, um, awareness match at... Um, for West Ham that we have every year and they're our biggest supporters, our number one supporters, if anything. And 
you know, all the players come out in the DC38 top and they do things within the community. Um, you know, our ambassadors there, Taylor um, goes down and if, you know, Tracy was there, she would have been there as well. We have our team down there and, you know, it's a whole, it's a day about Dylan. You know, the commentators speak about it throughout the whole match and, and then his picture is put up on the screen. And it's all those little things that matter um, and it's just so heartwarming to know that our partnership is so solidified with, with West Ham. Oh, look, they, really, they, um, they continue to do this. They, they really appreciated the, the Aussie Ibrahimovic and, mm-hmm. you know, how they'd love to have had him <laughs> out there playing now whilst they're in Europe. So, you know, it's a, you know. a, a loss, a big <laughs> loss for them. Um, yes. So, locally, is there anything going on where people could yes. um, contribute to the, to the fund? Absolutely. We've, we've got our DT38 uh, round next week with Perth Glory, the last game of the season. Um, against Melbourne City. Look, I know things aren't as amazing as, you know, Perth fans would want it to be, but it is a very important round for us. Um, you know, again, once again, it cements us in the football community here in Perth. Um, we won't be doing too much due to some restrictions that were in place before. We didn't know whether they were going to come off and all that sort of jazz. But, however, I'll be at the chairman's function um, speaking beforehand. We'll have the 38-minute applause. Um, we'll have some of our volunteers walking around and chatting to you. Um, so, again, it's one of the big um, big rounds, and next season we'll be working closely with the PSA and the A-Leagues um, to make sure it's a whole league round. Um, so every home club will do something in honour of DT38, um, you know, whether it's an applause or raise funds or whatever. But, yes, yeah, so it's next Wednesday, so I, yeah. I really encourage everyone to get down and just honour Dylan more than anything. It's a very important um, game in the fixture, and, and do their best to support us. So, you know, yep. put everything else aside. This is very important for us. And on an everyday basis, I mean, we've, we've all got those um, containers and yeah. bottles hanging around and the, yeah. the containers, yeah. for change. containers for change. If you, if you want to, to donate the, the containers for change to the DT38 Foundation, it's very easy to do. Yeah, 100%. Just go onto our, our Facebook page, any social media, LinkedIn, anything, even mine, um, you'll see the containers for change ID code there put it on the bag or go down and scan it in and donate. It's another way to donate to us. Of course, you can donate to us directly or you can buy a piece of merchandise. 100% funds go to us um, over here in the UK as well. So, you know, we're all one big. We're walk, uh, working at the moment on um, amalgamating both websites together. So we're no longer .uk or .au. It will be .org. So it's DT38 Hub. So whatever you need for DT38, whether it's Australia or the UK, we found in one central spot, so I'm working with my digital team here to get that done. And again, you know, uh, if you want to be an ambassador or you've got a way to raise funds, I mean, Mandra um, City Soccer Club the other week contacted us and they just wanted the testicles that we have because they're having an awareness night there. Didn't require anything, they just needed the testicles in our presentation. That's how easy it is. We send the presentation, we send the testicles to you and you can run it yourself um, if you didn't want one of us there and you wanted to have someone else down there. So that's how simple it is, uh, whether can, it's awareness or raising funds. I can think of one or two clubs that need some testicles, <laughs> but Mandra wasn't on my list. <laughs> uh, can you tell me who they are? I'd love to know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> inappropriate at the moment, the answer. So, yeah. <laughs> um, now, you talked about ambassadors, and ambassadors come yes. in in all shapes and sizes. You know, you, you've 100%. got some very, very well-known ones. You've got some very, very quiet ones. You've got some very yes. old ones. And I noticed the other day that you've got a young fellow named Jamie Cox, who's 14, who is a YouTube yes. host, and he's one of your youth ambassadors. Yes, 
Yeah, look, you know, and that's what I say, everyone's like, oh, what's the age limit? I'm like, there is none. I mean, you know, uh, we've got young, young, young juniors that jump on board as ambassadors because we feel like they should be a part of it. Look, my son is a perfect example. He's only four, but he loves wearing his DC38 gear. He tells it's mummy's work when he walks around and he sees it on the screen. Mummy's work, mummy's work. And, you know, and it just, uh, it cements it even more because it opens up a conversation. So, um, you know, if your son or daughter is intrigued or wants to be involved in the football community and you don't know how, this is a perfect way to start because we're educating them, we're teaching them along the way, but we're also, you know, they're setting up a platform for the people around them to also understand what's going on. Um, so it's very, very important. And as you said, we've got some amazing ambassadors. Um, I don't need to run through them. No. But, mm-hmm. You know, Jamie, as if, you know, we all know who their names are, but, you know, Jamie being a young YouTuber, let's face it, it's a digital way. You put the YouTuber in front of it and all the youth are just running fucking. I know all my, you know, people around me in the digital world are like, YouTube, YouTube. So it's um, it's great. Yeah, no, it's Look, And there's so, it many pla- who you are. so many platforms out there and you... You look at things like TikTok and other ways of getting your message out. That's it's important that we do that, and I suppose the most important message is that tomorrow um, is a very important day. Yes, it's the first. It's the first of May, and on on, and the first tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, tomorrow. Yeah. On, on oh, the, no, today's Saturday. Sorry, I've lost my day. Today's Saturday. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. So on, on the first day of every month, every single young... Check your balls. Every young yes. man, every old man out there, yeah, get out there and, and check your balls. It's very important. Check um, give the yes. twin Give the twins a good workout and make sure that they're all in fine fettle because um, nothing worse than, you know, ending up yes. on the wrong side of this. And, and the other thing is if you find something, don't be embarrassed to tell someone. You know, um, if, it's not, if it's not your mum and dad... Make an appointment to the doctor. Tell the doctor what's going on, and and get it checked out. Because the the earlier you find this, the the, the better off you will be. Yes, one thousand percent. Our check one two campaign is one of the biggest ones, and we're pushing it very very um, largely now. It's, it's on the top of my list on everything when I go do talks and whatnot um, at the Chenna's function next week. Will be the first thing I speak about. Check one two. Just check, you know, check down there. You know, you always, your hands are always down there. Tracy says it in every speech. Your hands are, you know, boys are always having a little fiddle. I was forever telling them, stop touching them, but now I'm encouraging them to. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so we touch, touch, touch. Yeah, stop putting your hands out of there. But no, like, and if you don't know what you're looking for, that's fine, because I wouldn't have known what to, you know, tell my son or my husband. Go on our website, have a look, and we've got it all on there. It shows you what to look for, what it should feel like. Um, and if you, you know, if you're scared or whatever it is, you can always reach out to us anonymously, send us a message um, or send an email through our contact us page and we can direct you in the right path or send you some links and then you can go from there. But please, it's, it's the biggest thing, don't be afraid to talk about it, anything, whether it's testicular cancer or health in general. We know, we say this every oh, look, time. It's, it's a gateway health. into all of your health, yeah. physical health, mental 100%. health. Um, I, mean, I play yeah. walking football, and we and tragically we lost someone who had um, a cardiac uh, event. Um, but obviously, uh, not not understanding what was going on um, is is part of the problem. So we we mm. need to be very aware of what goes on around us, and, and you know when, when we get a little twinge. I know like, most of us blokes want to be heroes and and go through it. Um, I felt very embarrassed the the day I I had some chest pains and I went to the to the hospital and yep. they, they did all the ECG rushed me through uh, and I felt such a fraud when they said no you're fine and 
when I said to them that I, I feel like a fraud, they said, no, no, you've done exactly the right thing because one day it could, you know, it, mm. it will save your life. Uh, and that's Absolutely. the whole point. If you're if you're having a chest pain and you, you can't explain it, and this one was the full uh, tingle down the left arm and everything was going on, all it was was I was taking photographs and the, the, the camera on my left hand was just making my arm sore and my chest yeah. muscles sore. But, you know, um, it was interesting that that was their... their they were very, very good at the hospital and, and did everything they could to, to save me from my embarrassment. But, you know, I think about it now and I think, yeah, you know what, I've, I did do the right thing because um, the last thing I'd want to do is collapse in a park or something and, you know, lights out. So, um, 1,000%. Yeah, 1,000%. Yeah, look after your own health. Stigma. Oh, yeah. Yeah, look, 100%. And it's the same, you know, for, for all of us. If, if you're having any thoughts um, that aren't quite right, you, you know, your, your mental health isn't there, talk to someone. It always helps, yeah. and, and people do not judge you. In this day and age, I mean, I can, I can remember growing up in the whenever it was now, um, <laughs> but people just went, oh, you know, toughen up, and yeah. you know, what are you talking 100%. about? And these, these days, people listen, and, and people do take um, interest. Well, we in encourage that. it more. Oh, absolutely. Look, we encourage it more. Like even like I mean, my son's only four and a half, and first day back, uh, first week back in school, and he came home, and he was a little bit sad because his little best friend was playing with someone else, and he had to play with somebody else, and. I, you know, we spoke about it, and, you know, back in the day, we'd be like, oh, you'll be fine, you'll be fine tomorrow, don't worry about it, it's just cool, blah, 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 whereas now we're encouraged more, because, you know, it does affect you um, along the years, and simple little things like that, so always pick up the phone, you know, and all these Lifeline, um, you know, Beyond Blue and all that, it's all anonymous, they don't know who you are, you just have a chat to someone else who can make you feel that little bit better, and should you require extra help, the platform is there to help you, so... 1,000%. You're spot on. Mental health is just as important as anything. Oh, look, all, all avenues of your health are important. Um, yep. Now, whilst we're talking about mental health, you know, long-suffering Glory fans, glory. We're, we're having a... <laughs> oh, look, we, we, we thought last year was bad and then we got this year. Um, but you, you take any team in the league and take out the, the starting 12 or 13 from their, their very first starting 14, none of them would, would be any better. Um, and I think, you know, you look at it, we've got to make the best of a bad situation. Yep. We've got a lot of kids out there that are getting exposure. They probably wouldn't have got young, young coin, probably never, ever thought that he was going to be playing an A-League um, game, you know, a full A-League game. I love your game. optimism. No, no, I love but, your optimism. But that's what it is. Well, look, we, we can't afford to bask in former glories, mm. un, unlike Victorians who, who've got all the former <laughs> glories <laughs> playing <Yeah>. for <laughs> So, you know, look at... I, I like I like what Ruben's doing, and, and you know, look, I look at it from a, a very positive point of view that we've got a lot of young blokes out there. Some of them are not going to make mm. the journey, but they get an opportunity they, they never would have anywhere else. And it's not like we can go out and just buy players and bring them in with the way the league's set up, etc. Um, and and yeah. you know, you could bring in the best coach ever. It's, you've still got to work with the kids you've got. So it is what it is this I, year. Yeah, yeah. Look. Um Obviously, I see it on the outside looking in. I'm not emotionally attached to the team, but my, you know, people around me are, and I live in Perth, so I, I say this every single time. Everyone's like, "Why do you care?" I said, "Because they're, you know, if you think of glory, they're the longest standing club in the league with yeah. the with the biggest history. Yeah. You don't want to see, you don't want to see them fail, and that's the number one thing, right? And everyone's like, "Oh, let's get a second team in, and let's do this." I'm like, "But why, when you have the foundations there for you?" Why do you need that other team to set? Like, you look at Melbourne Victory and Melbourne City, perfect example, as much as, and Western United, as much as they've tried to do, 
and this is not just me saying because I'm a victory fan, but you go and see it and you see the difference in the crowd and the supporters, you know, they're the longest family club out of the three. And it'd be the same thing here. There's no there's no quick fix. It's not setting up a team of Fremantle and all of a sudden uh, you're going to have a whole bunch of new glory supporters. No. I agree with you in that, but Branko Kalina, Jason Kalina's dad, put a, a comment on Tony Sage's post last week. And it was about... I saw it, yeah. Yes. And I have to agree. You, you can't not agree with a lot of what he said. You can't not agree with a lot of what he said. And I think, you know what, this season's just a write-off anyway. There's only two, whatever, how many matches to go. Two games. Um, Ruben, yeah. Mm. Ruben's done what he can with what he has. Uh, Richie did what he could with what he had. Um, I've been a very big... Um, I've got a very strong opinion about their strength and conditioning. I keep getting told it's bad luck. No, it's not because... I believe that the guy that they have in there is from the Frio Dockers. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but I'm pretty sure he was the extra in conditioning at the Dockers and he had such a shit history there. And then he's here now and all these injuries are happening. Right? That, that's, so certainly, that. that's certainly the scuttlebutt on, on Facebook. And look, to be honest, I don't know. but um, I'm pretty the, sure that's what it is. The, but you have injury, to think about it. Yeah, but the injury to Brandon Wilson was not down to strength and conditioning. That was down to a shocking challenge that spun, no. spun him over yeah, and yeah, broke his collarbone. You know, you, the, but the, look the, how many players you've got out. Yeah, soft tissue, soft tissue injuries. I, I get that would be your strength and conditioning coach, but yeah. you know if you if you've broken a bone, if you've if you've injured the tendon, oh, look, the ACL and yeah, yeah. The ACL. She can't know, do anything about those, but I understand that. Yeah, but there has to be something going on. I don't know what it is. Uh, I guess you know also the limbo that they were in from you know where are they going to train? Where's their offices? What's going on? Are we staffing the river now? Offices now in Fremantle? Are we training down there? Are we staying down here? Like all of these things are factors in in football. I mean, I'm no football guru or expert in any way, shape, or form. However, um, you know, I have an opinion, and a lot of it, um, you know, it all stems from the top, I guess, and everything filters down. There's yeah. no quick fix. There's no magic coach that's going to come in and wave his wand and it's going to fix everything. Uh, we say this every year at First Glory. I think the last time anyone was feeling confident was when Popper was there. Yeah. And, oh, and, the, and, you know, and we're, not the, we're not a club with bottomless pockets and just splash out buckets of cash <laughs> and bring people in like victory. Oh, you know, we're... we're <laughs> <laughs> we do it smartly. We do it smartly. Yeah, We're exactly. smart about it. But you know, I, <laughs> I hear, I heard for years. You know, there's not enough. There's not enough youth or, or, or you know, oh, homegrown, homegrown yeah. talent playing. And now we've got only homegrown talent playing. <laughs> We're going. There's too much. Yeah. <laughs> you know? We're never. Yeah, happy. yeah, no, I agree. We're never happy. And I, I look at young. No. I look at the goalkeeper who you know, young Coxie's come in. He's done a fantastic job. You know. <laughs> Um, and, and you look at other you look at other players that have come in and and done a good job. And you, you look at you know Josh Nasu uh, who comes in um, yeah. run, runs his legs off. You know it's what we wanted, and and we've just got to put up with it this year. This year, as you said, is a write off. Um, I yeah. think you know look Ruben um, as much as people aren't too colourful about his current A League coaching ability. We are where we are because those youth have been well prepared. Um, they are all able to step up and play at that level, which is a massive testament to the youth development at Glory. And a lot of them yeah. are, are not ready. They weren't ready and they were never expected or supposed to be playing in the first team this year. So, you know, to have players that, that were able to step up is a massive testament to what Ruben and, and Chris Coyne have done. 
Um, do I think he should be the, the next coach? No, I don't. I think we need to bring in someone who's experienced and credentialed, but we need to keep Ruben and Chris on doing what they're doing because they should be building towards being the coaches, but they need to bring those youth on. And I think in some ways, bringing the youth players up to a standard where they can play is actually more important than the head coach. Yeah. Well, you can't, you can't forget the fact that Richie and Stevie were very, very heavily involved in the youth set up as well oh, yeah. before they yeah. took on their role. Oh, so it's a test, you know, and everyone, a lot of people I speak to forget that. It is a testament to them, Ruben. Yeah. And, I mean, Coyne, to me, in my brain, was the first pick in considering his coaching career, yeah. his um, history, his success at Bayview. Yeah. Um, you know, when you see him as a person, as a player, as a coach, to me, he was my number one in my head either. And this is no disrespect to anybody else, but even when Richie got it, I was... I wasn't not I was surprised. I wasn't surprised. I knew, but I, I could understand why. But however, I was like, "How has Chris Coyne not got this role, this job yet?" If you're going to choose a homegrown coach, he was my number one in Can't, my in my head. Watching him in the NPL and everything he's done, Can't disagree. Um, he, he would probably be. Yeah, no, I can't disagree with you. No, I said I can't oh, disagree. Okay. No, no, I can't Let's disagree. <laughs> no, no, he's he's with one of the he's been one of the best coaches in the NPL for years. Um, one thousand percent. Yeah, look. He, if you had to go homegrown, I, I would have gone him. But, yeah, look, you're right in what you're saying. But, look, we are where we are. It's It's been a horrible year. I, I don't know of many other clubs that would have been able to, to survive through what we have. There needs to be a review of the club. And, I, look, I, I can't make a comment on the fitness coach. I don't – I had strength and conditioning coach. I don't know enough about him. But the scuttlebutt yeah. is that, you know – He's done it, but also then you know, look and, and Daniel Sturridge is as a wonderful player. He's he's had a fantastic career. He was he was basically put it all on red, and you know that gamble hasn't paid off. Mm. If, if he'd have, if he'd have gone out there and scored a goal every other game, we'd have been saying what a fantastic thing has happened, you know. Yeah. And he's, yeah. he's been brilliant. Uh, absolutely. He's well, had a terrible start to the season with with COVID, with the interrupted season. He's always injuries. had a history of soft tissue injuries. And then if the if you said the strength and conditioning coach is is like that, has that helped or or made his situation worse? Who knows? But I think Daniel. Well, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not putting I'm not putting it all all makes in one bucket. However, yeah. I do know that it is that there has to be a there has to be a reason why i understand the acls and all of that i'm yeah. you know i'm not like in a cotton ball of, of stupidity i get that that's you mm. know that is bad luck you yeah. go out there you play and you do acl god you know it's not like it's it just happens however there has to be something whether it's that their coach the, i don't know the pitch i have no idea like i'm not there to see it however mm. i do know and i speak to a lot of people within past within the club that you know, and I'm not blaming uh, by any means. I'm just saying that injuries and everything like that don't just happen no. um, overnight. Something, no. Something's missed. But we also can't also shy away from the fact that, you know, um, this club has a great history. It needs its support more than ever. You know, and I say this, everyone's like, oh, victory finished last, last year. Look at that. Exactly, we did. We had the worst season ever. I was ashamed of the season yeah. that we had considering who we are and the club that we need to be for the league. Okay. Glory is in that same position. Glory is that same in the. I put them in the same basket as the Melbourne Victories and the Sydney FC. We need Glory to succeed. You need them to succeed in Perth. There's no other team here. You need them. We need them so football stays alive in WA because if it goes, then we're stuck with the whatever it's called, the force and and the basketball. Yeah. Um, and they've had a shit season. And of course, the AFL. You can't talk <laughs> yeah, about the Eagles. You say that. You say that. But the first time in 33 years, they've missed out. On the final, yeah, I know. You know? I know. Yeah. But you know, like. You, 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 there must be something in the water because Frio's doing well, but the Eagles are shit, and 
Wildcats haven't made the finals, and Gloria bottom. There's nothing going wrong here. We oh, have the I, like, I, to- I totally agree with you on all of that. But um, I suppose the thing is, as the shed say, I'm glory till I die. I, I will be a, a, true, a true supporter and support them no matter what's happening on the park because uh, I love the Good. club. Um, and, and also. Now, after after that, we, we go into the finals campaign and I feel yeah, comfortable um, supporting Victory because they are the past glories. So, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I hope they do really well. <laughs> All right, Donna. <laughs> thank you very much for your time. Uh, thank you for the work that you do with DT38. No, and, thank you, as and, always. And for all the boys out there, tomorrow is the, the 1st of May. Don't forget to check your balls. Yeah, check them, check them. Thanks so much, guys. Always being big supporters of us. Thank you. Thanks, Donna. Thanks, Donna. Have a good day. Bye. Donna Goufray. I had no idea. She's such a potty mouth. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I actually just noticed with uh, the Glories game today, if we're looking for something positive to draw from, yep. uh, last time we hosted Western Sydney Wanderers, yep. Keo got four goals. He did indeed, yeah. And I look, so and I think if we, if we want something hopeful... Um, from the start of the season that we had this mouth-watering prospect of Keogh, Fornaroli and Sturridge as being our, our front lines, front, yeah. it's going to happen. Yeah, for so, at least five minutes. Oh, come on, Mr. Doom and Gloom, <laughs> it's, it's happening. Let's get on board. Let's be bold and, and enjoy it. You know, that's, that's what it is. Yeah. We, we need to be able to enjoy it. And I think, you know, two games left. Um, let's make the most of it. Um, it's been a horrid, horrid season for all involved. And you know, I don't think that, that Tony would have enjoyed it at all. No. And, and, you know, I know people bag him out for the owner, but he's he's the, the person that is prepared to put the money in. And I, I, I just think we're fantastic in Perth. We've got so many experts who know how to run A-League clubs, how yeah. to fix the world. Yeah. Um, and the, but they don't they don't go and do it. And, and again, with Tony, you cannot deny his passion for the club. No, exactly. All right, we're going to a break and we'll be back with Gareth Johnson who is with Southwest Phoenix. Gate and Fence Hardware WA, your one-stop shop for all gate and fence hardware components, wrought iron, automation and electronic gate security. We can offer great advice and solutions for your project. Trade and layman, welcome. Hardware shipped all over Australia. Contact the team on 9258 6822. Or shop online at gateandfencehardware.com.au. Station sponsor. You're listening to the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle. We are proud to be the longest-running football show on radio in Australia. Join myself, Penny Tannerhoth, Pete Skeller, Sean Kelly and Hugh Best every Saturday morning in the 10am to noon space. You will hear football conversations with a range of guests and gurus. The show lands as a podcast on our website and you can subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Thanks for listening in to the World Football Program. FM, your local station. And the second division fixtures for this afternoon. We've got (laughs) Ashfield hosting Shamrock Rovers, Curtin University against Kingsley Westside, Wanneroo travelling to Southwest Phoenix, 
Joondalup City against Canning City, Balga against Swan United, and Gosnells at home against Morley Windmills. A lot of good games out there. Mm. And joining us on air now is Gareth Johnson from South West Phoenix. Good morning, Gareth. How are you? Good morning. Thank you. I'm good, thanks. Um, you say you're good, but uh, the last conversation we had, um, you told me you've got the Rona. I have, but I think man flu's worse. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man flu's worse than childbirth, mate. So it can't be anything worse than that. <laughs> yeah. I <laughs> know. Oh, it depends. It depends on people. I know some people that it's absolutely devastated, and I know some people who just go, "Meh, it's you know not the worst thing I've had." So yeah, it just depends on on you personally. Um, so look, best of luck with your your recovery, mate. Um, now the, you're in charge of the the Phoenix at the moment because um, Nicky Carter, the coach, is away in the UK. Yeah, that's correct. Unfortunately, Nicky lost his father. Um, last month so obviously with restrictions in place and stuff and him starting a new job it was near impossible for him to get over to his his father's funeral so in the last week or so he he was in a position then to go over and be closer to his mum and family you know for two or three weeks yeah now, look i was so, in a, sim- a similar position a year ago and didn't get that opportunity so mm. i understand entirely where he's at yeah, it's probably one of those things that, you know, us expats don't like is that phone call, you know, with, with that sort of sort of news because obviously with the distance we are from home, it, it makes it difficult at times to, to get there as soon as, as soon as we need to. Yeah, I look at, I, I've got a pragmatic approach to it. This is home um, and that's yeah. something that I, a choice I made a long, long time ago, but it's the way it is. Um, so, look, the, the Phoenix are were promoted last year from, from the amateurs. Um, how have you found the, the step up? It's a very good question because we've only played, what, two two games. And yeah. um, we had more... Uh, who did we play? We played Curtin the first game of the season. That was probably an eye-opener for the boys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We lost, we lost convincingly 5-1 and then we had two games cancelled because of COVID. And then two weeks ago, we went up to, to play Morley Windmills and again, we, we lost or nil. Um, last week we played Murdoch in the cup. I thought it was probably a better display, but again we've we've gone in and we've lost that match three nil. Um, look, you don't want to make excuses, but we've lost seven players from last year's squad that, that got us promoted out of the, out of the amateurs. And you know, I think where we lay in WA, you know, we're a regional club, and when you lose seven players, we don't have. We don't have a club next door that we can go and knock on the door and try and bring a few players in because, unfortunately, at times we just don't have that quality in the region to a certain point to bring in those players that have played at the state league level. Whereas if we were um, based up in Perth, you'd, you'd have an influx of players around you that you could replace those seven. So at the moment, um, I said we've only played two games. We're not going to start panicking and thinking you know, what's going to happen. It's just important that we start picking up points and, you know, the next few weeks, if we can get a couple of couple of games under our belts, then it will stand us in a good stead to see where we are and how we're going to see out the season. Yeah, oh, it's very hard to judge it off three games and, and Murdoch being a Div 1 side, three nils, no disgrace. Mm. Um, they're a very so, good Div 1 side. Yeah, like I thought, you know, we went up with a game plan last week. We we went up with no recognised strikers in the team and we probably set up very defensively and probably to a certain point for maybe 50, 60 minutes, we frustrated them and then they eventually wore us down and 
scored three goals, but to credit our boys, kept plugging away. And um, yeah, so hopefully it, it, it should stand them in good stead today at home. It's their first home game of the season against Wanneroo. Yep. Um, they've played four through three, I think, all the games. Yeah. Three all draws. And then they've lost 2-1, I think, last week to Junilup. So look, something has to give today, hopefully. Mm. We come away with a win, and it'll be fantastic for the players. Nicky's not there; I won't be there. So, who needs coaches if they pick up a win today? Yeah, there's always a, a an issue that one. But um, look, I think yeah, the the strength of of Southwest Phoenix in the league is the the away trip, and you know, as much as for you, it's a it's a home game. Um, for a lot of the boys in the state league, it's it's. Um, I, I think we used to call it the Fumbry trip, <laughs> and the focus becomes the the trip and not the game. So sometimes teams lose their focus down there, and I know um, my clubs won and and lost more than they've won down there. But when yeah. when we have won, it's it's about going in there with that focus on the game. It's very easy to get distracted by the delights of Bunbury. Exactly, you know, and I think realistically from any any club coming down to Bunbury should utilise, use that trip as, as you say, like a player's trip, a weekend away. Yeah. It's great for bonding and, you know, if, they, if they're fortunate enough to get a bus and if you come down and you pick up three points, you know, that bus journey home is a lot more enjoyable than going up the road maybe with a defeat because, you know, whenever we go up to Perth and we come away with a victory, it, it's a lot sweeter travelling two, three hours down the, the highway, you know, after picking up three points. Yeah, see, I've had a very different experience. We've lost games down there and driven back with smiles on our faces because we've had a good time. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, look, at, as long as we stay away from the pizza shop afterwards, we're pretty right. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. There's probably a list of places now you could stay away from. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you've heard about it. <laughs> um, so, but how how important is it to the southwest to to have a team in the state league for um, just not you know for the team itself, but for the development of players in the district? You said you've got seven players that from last year that haven't come through, but they would be playing in the local comps and, and hopefully better players because of it. Yeah, look, my first involvement with the club was back in two thousand and seven. Um, I played for a couple of seasons and we, we finished second and third. Um, I think Bayswater pinched us and Mandra from memory, you know, we're always we're always up there. Yeah. Um, so, so traditionally we all would have played on a Saturday for Phoenix and then probably three quarters of that team would have went stay into their local club and played on a Sunday. Mm. Um obviously I think with that sort of calibre of players coming back into the local club comp, it really, really helped. Um, improve the local competition but when you get older and a bit wiser and you look back and you think why didn't we get promoted it's probably because you know for those couple of seasons all those players have probably played an extra 20-25 games where the other clubs probably those players haven't played that so that could have maybe had a knock on effect that could have stopped us maybe gaining promotion maybe a bit sooner than yeah. than what we should have um, look the, the thing is down here um Yes, Southwest Phoenix is a club that should be playing in the state league. It's a regional base club in Bunbury. It's it's really put um, football, you know, in, in the shop window for players who have got the desire to play at that level. Yes, there is enough quality in the region, but I think it comes down to that individual if they have the the, the desire to play for Southwest Phoenix and to push themselves at a state league level or 
with for juniors at MPL level. Yeah. It's, it's not it's not for everyone because they'll struggle with with the jump up from playing local to to state league football. It's, mm. it's a massive massive jump, and again, obviously with travel and stuff like that, there it's it's not really in everyone's um, I say demographics build up to to be able to do that. No, look, it's a very difficult thing thing to do. You know, we, we look at the logistics of going down there um, and I know at the moment you've got a number of catch-up games that now need to be played and we're running out of time to play them. Um, and particularly like 18s and resis, um, 18s in particular, to, to get to Bunbury to play for a even a 7 o'clock game are going to have to leave Perth somewhere between 2 and 3 so they, they can get there because it can take... It can take an hour and a half to get out of Perth these days. Mm. Um, oh, you know, I, I fully understand that. I, yeah. You know, I'm I'm completely supportive because last year we had reserves cup quarter final yeah. um, on a Wednesday night. Kick off six thirty up at Quinns. Yes. Against um, yeah. against Wembley Downs. Yeah. And we asked for the game to be relocated. We asked for a, a different kickoff time but unfortunately that fell in deaf ears and you know we had kids coming from Margaret River area Bustleton who had to be pulled out of school yeah. so they could travel travel up to be there for 5.30 for 6.30 kickoff yeah. Yeah. but you know look we understand the nature of the beast we understand where the club lays and obviously we want to develop players and play at a higher standard mm. and level and we understand there is you know we have to travel it's as simple as that we can't always use that as an excuse, but sometimes you gotta you gotta ask questions from the powers to be that you know maybe they just need to sit down and have a look and realise you know it's a six thirty kick off from Queens on a Wednesday night is that really a fair fair thing to ask? Mm. And again for for Perth clubs coming down to play seven o'clock for a resis or under eighteen game you know is that a fair fair solution as well? But mm. look, Oh look, Man- Mandra, Mandra to Quinns, Mandra to Quinns on a weeknight is not an easy trip. Mm. Um, so you know, you add the extra um, hour and a half or two hours to, yeah. to Bunbury, uh, that makes it a nightmare. Then if you play it at, at say seven, the the game yeah. doesn't finish till till nine. So by, by the time you change and everything else, ten o'clock before you get on the road for a two hour drive home or three hour drive home if you're, you're going into the northern suburbs. Um, yeah. So you're not getting home before one a.m., which, if you're working or going to school the next day, is not ideal. <laughs> no, exactly. And, and then, and and look, we're we're all aware of the tragedies that have happened. Yeah. You, you would hate to have a team lose a player or two mm. on that road, exactly. and you know, it's we, we're always about player welfare. So, yeah, there's a, there's a lot involved. And look at. It's not that people don't enjoy the trip. People really enjoy the trip. It's just about that there needs to be some balance and some leeway. Um, and, and like you said, for yourselves to come up is a long way. I know Curtin had to go down to you guys for the night series. Um, but night series isn't so much of a problem. It's at the weekend. You've got a bit of time to get there and back. Mm. Um, but, you know, during, during the week um, is, is a pretty tricky one. I think, you know, for you to come up to Perth during the week is going to be... Um, pretty horrible, and it'd be the same for a Perth side headed down. Um, and if you look at someone like Karamar, that would be if they had to go down on a weekday, it would be, um, yeah. I mean, look to do it even as as a first team, you'd, you'd probably have to take at least one day off work, whether it was the day before or the day after, um, yeah. to make it, and probably most people two days. But look, 
it's it's worth it for the trip. And it's always always yeah. have a good game down in Bunbury. Mm. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned COVID earlier on. Um, how how affected have you, or not just personally, but the the club been affected through COVID? Well, yeah. After the first game of the season up in Curtin, we had nine players out that, that picked up COVID because you know our transport is a, is a bus, so we, yeah. we, we had I think fourteen people on the bus and a total of nine players, and plus Nicky the coach yeah. and another part of the, the coaching staff. So that was eleven all up caught COVID after the first game of the season. So that that put us back. We lost two games over because some players hadn't actually recovered after the seven days of isolation. So they were kind of locked up until until they were um, tested negative. And then after the Murdoch game, there's three players from there myself. So that's four have um, contracted COVID since since the weekend. But look, every club's in the same boat. It's the way life is at the moment, and you know. Unfortunately, I think sport, as much as we want it to be, to come first, is, is going to have to take a, a back seat really in this until until it's finally disappeared. Yeah, look, it, it's one of those things. I said it three years ago when it came in that we, eventually we're going to have to learn to live with it. This is this is part of that learning to live with it process. Um, yeah. I, I know that there's other clubs, Forestfield have been affected, Swan have been affected. Um, there's you know a heap of clubs that have had it. Ashfield have had their issues, yeah. um, you know, and we've had rearranged cup fixtures, rearranged league fixtures, and you know the the backlog of games is 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 interesting. But uh, do you get much support from Football West in general? Um, that's a good question. You know, like again, like we've, t- we've touched on on the midweek fixtures. You know, yeah. and obviously it's things like that there. Where as a club, we have sent numerous emails, and we would think that common sense approach would come in, and someone would make a decision and kind of support what we've been asking, especially for midweek games. And but obviously with with COVID coming in and and looking for games to be postponed, and you know this, this year we seem to have got a lot more help from Football West. You know that that's side good. of things, but. Mm. Yeah, so, you know, I can't fault them for that. It's just, like, I'm a sports coordinator and, you know, I'm inputting data into do online fixtures. So I, I know the, the issues that they would have, the administrators doing the fixtures for, for a full season. But, you know, as I say, it's a common sense approach. Is you don't just enter in the information and then you click send. You, you have to kind of analyse it and see where these little loopholes or where there could be trigger points or fixtures mm. that don't tie up or ridiculous times where I think maybe they might need to spend a bit more bit more time and a bit of a bit more TLC in that department, you know, yeah. across the board. Not not only for us, but yeah across the whole competition as a whole. Yeah, I just looking at it from the fixtures perspective, you know, for for someone like Ashfield to play Forestfield Canning or Morley um, in a, a midweek game, is, it, there's really no drama because they're all on top of each other. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you know, the, it's it's an extra ten minutes travel. But um, yeah, it's just when you you look at teams like Caramar, who are right up there in the northern suburbs, and obviously uh, Phoenix, where they are, that that trip midweek either way, and it doesn't matter who it is, it, it's not logistically um, possible and I don't think it's in the best interest of players to be be driving at one o'clock in the morning after yeah. playing a game, you know? Definitely not. It's got the benefit really for no clubs and yeah. then the question is, is you know, can can the season be extended for a week or two or three? 
you know, I don't know, does it need to be wrapped up at the end of September? Can we not sort of, you know, stagger it out for another couple of weeks? Well, I suppose, look, you, you've, you've got um, one of the, the, the better grounds where you've got access to it to 12, 12 months of the year. Not yeah. ev- not everybody has that luxury. There's yeah. there's a few clubs in... in uh, Divi two that do, but not many, and most of them share with either cricket or baseball. And you know, yeah, true. You, you wouldn't want to be playing, even if it was possible. I wouldn't want to be playing a game where I, I was backing onto a baseball diamond and I wasn't watching where that ball was coming from. <laughs> yeah, definitely. They're, they're too hard to head. <laughs> um, I suppose the other thing is, is um, politically, has always been an issue with. Um, country town, country football. I, I was involved in Albany for a long time, so there's there's lots of um, politics within the local scene. Um, there's always been some political um, machinations around Southwest Phoenix, and and any of the Bunbury teams that have come up before have, have always had an issue. Is is that is that settling down? Because really, having a representative side coming up to Perth every week has got to be to the benefit of the community. Yeah, look, look that's a good point. It's probably a sore point as well because I've, I've basically had my foot in both camps. Yeah. Um, I've been involved, obviously, with South West Phoenix for a couple of years when I first came over and then I've been back with the club maybe the last three seasons. I've also sat as an executive member on the South West Soccer Association, which is the, sort of the senior senior side of things in the area. Yep. Um, look, the, the way the seniors is, is kind of run in a nutshell down here is, look, we, we'll bring, we'll pick up maybe two or three players from local clubs every season and then we'll lose a couple of players that will go back and play for the local clubs. Yep. And it's, it's kind of, it's fine if the players are older, they're a bit wiser, they know what they want to do or what level they want to play at. Probably there's not a lot of support um between between both organisations, um, it's kind of they look after their own. Yeah. Uh, to a certain point, you know, Southwest Phoenix is set up as I said as a state league club in the region. Um, players should be, as I said earlier, that have the ability or the hunger, the desire to play at that level, should automatically rock up the training and and you know put their hand up to play at that level. It doesn't always happen because you know it's mindset of players. The easy option is playing. In your local Sunday comp, having a kick and scoring three or four goals week in, week out, where you're not challenged or tested. But again, that's up to the individual. Um, the, the juniors is is really it's, it's it's very sad state of affairs down here. The local the local association there's absolutely no support towards um, Southwest Phoenix. There's no development. There's no promotion of the club. You know we've got four teams that are playing in the MPL. Um, Leagues for the juniors, which is probably an absolutely fantastic, fantastic um, thing That's for this effort, yeah. mm-hmm. and for any player. It's absolutely, you know, you know, for, for some of these kids that could play Perth Glory this season, and that's probably the biggest thing they'll ever do mm. in their sporting career. Some of these kids will be good enough that they'll be put in the shop window where you know some of the other clubs might might want to get them on board. But again, um, for an example. Probably our hardest team to coach at the moment is around under 13 MPL because all these kids have come from the local comp that haven't played 11 aside before. So it's it's a massive jump to play from nine aside into 11 aside, but then to jump from your local comp to playing MPL is just massive, massive. Yeah. Um, the, the club has been knocked back 
so many times because what they wanted to do was put in an under um, 11, under 12 development team in the local junior under 13 comp so yeah. that these kids yep. would then transfer then the following season and be ready to play MPL or get a year under their belt of playing 11 v 11 and, and it's been rejected for quite a number of years from the local junior association. So that's the stumbling blocks we have at the moment for our juniors, which, you know... Our distance is the, is the tyranny there, Gareth. And look, I appreciate what you guys do um, and how the, the, the club is, is there. I, I've, having come from a country town, I know what the, yeah. the, the politics are. But, you know, yeah. it, it's, very, it's vitally important that you have a, a state representative team down there. It gives yeah. your kids an avenue into the state league, which is hopefully feeding into the MPL. You look at the, the players that have come from that region, Tash Rigby, General onions and of course um josh risden josh risden um you know it's, it's a rich environment and uh, look uh, love what you do uh, best of, of luck for the season and um you know condolences to nicky for his dad and hopefully he's back soon and and in charge yeah i'm sure he'll be yeah, he'll be back i think for the, the shamrock game on saturday week excellent all yeah. right mate thank you very much for coming on no worries thank you so much for your time you're welcome see you mate all right, cheers. See ya. So, uh, Gareth Johnson, who's got the Rona, um, yeah, <laughs> won't be coaching the game this afternoon. But look, appreciate the time they did, and it is very difficult in those regions to to make that step up. But I think it's vitally important to the game that we are spreading our wings out there. Oh, love love having them. having a couple of well, having regional team in the in the. Uh, league and I'd like to see more of it. You know, oh, absolutely. I like to see a team from Goldfields and Albany. But yep. that's another day. Um, thank you very much for your time, Pete. Um, always a pleasure. You off to the game tonight? I will be indeed. And Wednesday? And Wednesday? Yeah, that's it. Glory till I die. <laughs> All right. Thank you for listening. This has been the World Football Program. I'm Sean Kelly. The Jazz Show will be on very shortly. Join us again next week at the same time for the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM.